Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
Welcome to this segment of Real Life Stories. It's under our spiritual category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. This is a story about a man called Noel who has beaten all the odds of generational curses that were stacked against him before he was born. This story is something we can all learn from, that our actions, which become our habits, can be passed down to our children. You don't have to give birth to the next Noel. You can learn from his past. You see, Noel didn't have a choice in what kind of hand he would play with after he was born. He was born into a drug dealing family. His grandfather was a kingpin, dealing in marijuana and cocaine from Jamaica to Florida. Before Noel was born and unbeknownst to his mother, the spirituality she explored before Noel's birth invoked demonic spirits. She ignorantly opened herself up to the demonic realm and to witchcraft. The odds were stacked against him even before he had started. From his childhood to his late 20s, Noel had to deal with living in unstable homes as a child, several stepfathers, nightmares, demonic attacks, and so much paranormal activity. And this was just the beginning. His childhood trauma cascaded into teenage addictions from sex, pornography, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, and anything else he could land his hands on, not to mention a couple of out-of-body experiences. In moments of despair, he would always cry out to the God of the Bible, whom he had never really known about. He was only tagging on the memory of the Lord's Prayer that his grandmother had taught him as a child and his few attendances to Catholic Church as a child. Fast forward, Noel shares a unique memory after he had started reading the Bible, specifically the Gospels of Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop reading the Gospels. In fact, in one incident, Noel was out on a boat, snorting as much cocaine as he could with a friend, but all he did was talk about this guy called Jesus that he had been reading about in the Bible. Eventually, and inevitably, these truths of Jesus Christ took root in Noel's heart, and he was delivered from all his addictions, his cursed inception, and his haunted past. Noel now lives his life as a living testimony. While he is up wiring complex buildings around town, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who feel lost. Coming up on our next episode. Um, they partied up there, my friends, for three days straight with no sleep. Like we're talking straight, straight drug use for three days, no rest. My goodness. And then they decided to come home and um, they sober up a bit. And one of my best friends is driving and my other best friends in the car and the, my best friend who's in the pet, like I have like, they're all kind of like my best friends, but the one who was in the passenger seat, he and I had a very special bond. He was like a very special person to me and to all of us. He, he, 
decided to take acid and go for the ride home. Um, he kept going and he, uh, he died that day. He ended up getting my bet, my other good friend, best friend, whatever. He, he ended up falling asleep on the road. He, he had no sleep for three days. And even though he sobered up, he, he just did not have the energy to stay awake on the road. And he swerved on, onto oncoming traffic and he woke up right before colliding with the car head on swerved out of the way but the car got clipped and this the car spun and pinned uh, my buddy up against a tree and it crushed his organs and he ended up getting airlifted to the hospital and he died about four hours later This is episode five of Noel's story, and we're picking up right from where the last episode ended. Back, Noel. Um, first of all, thank you for staking us on this journey. I don't think it's an easy thing to have to go back, you know, down memory lane, especially through a very dark memory lane, and. I hope our listeners know that, you know, for people who, 
it, it's almost like asking someone to retell their trauma story, you know, someone, yeah. you know, it's like asking someone who's going through sexual abuse to, ex, you know, tell that story again. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it can cause, if, if you're not in a solid place, it can trigger some things to happen again. Yeah, it can. Um, somehow God had fortified me quite a bit through all of it. Um, it's funny because when people tell me crazy things, I don't, I don't brush them off. People say, you know, they have stories that are out of this world and, and I'm not one to brush them off because I've experienced things myself. A lot of people will brush you off though. They will say things like, oh, you know, you're lying or you're crazy or you did, I don't believe you experienced that. But for me, because I've had these experiences, I, I'm very open to, uh, to listening to people um, and um, their and their testimonies, especially far out ones. Yeah. I'm not one to just shut someone down. Um, I think I've been shut down a few times. People think I'm lying, but no, I'm telling the truth. This is what I experienced. I I think I've, I've listened to some to similar stories. I think right now yours is probably climbing up the, the list and I haven't experienced something to the degree that you have, but even when I was still naive, like I probably would have never just brushed something like this off just to be like, ah, you know, like some people think that this stuff is, 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 is just fun and games. Like it's so, it's so funny because these are the same people you'll find like, um, just all into like Halloween and all the horror movies and gouging them up and like hmm. murder series and, and stuff like that. And, and when you present like some real stuff that people, real people's stories and things that people have actually gone through, then it's funny. Like they'll buy into the fiction of it. And then once you talk about a real life story, then they'll kind of brush it off and be like, yeah, you know, so it's really, you know, one of those things that I also, I respect people's stories. Amen. Me too. Too many, too many movies out there. Yeah. There's too many movies. Yeah. 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 But life is stranger than fiction. <laughs> That's what they say. The, the, life is what? Stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believe it. Because I know. First thing is that I believe that uh, fiction is, it's almost, some, you, in some sense you might think that fiction is always like a, it's almost like a, an extension, like it's, it's kind of like another dimension added to reality. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, we're going to take reality and then we're going to kind of like almost blow it up a little bit but the reality of 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 from which that fiction is created is always i find more intense it is because it it's is. real it's real yes it's real so we've gone through your childhood teens from, yeah from 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 
from the from your grandfather and 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 the the drug dealing and growing up in that and how that cascaded into uh your mother uh growing up in a broken family and then here she is and you know the step tapping into the spiritual world and, right. and opening up themselves to spirits and we can see how that cascaded kind of cascading to her choice in men mm-hmm. yeah always um it's very interesting when someone someone says that you attract what you are and if you are broken on the inside it's inevitable that you're going to attract broken people and so the things that she was exposing herself to she started to attract that and you can see that all, all these men somehow there's brokenness there is abuse and 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 there is all of these things that are um are, are in her life and unfortunately the kids are now paying for it you know you your brothers now your sister and we've gone through the horror stories the paranormal activity the 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 out-of-body experiences the real um like this i mean it was the the last one was so terrifying that you didn't even want to turn around you you placed it you like it's to my right yeah i'm not even gonna i'm just gonna run up and 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 i don't even want to look the thing in the i don't even want to know what it looks like like i don't even want my eyes i can't i couldn't to to catch contact yeah there's no idea with this thing though i didn't want to have that memory for i didn't want to have that memory in my mind yeah there's just some things that you i don't need to see you don't need to see feeling feelings enough the feeling is enough yeah Um, feeling is enough i don't need to i don't need to add another sense it's like because you know that it'll almost be impossible to i mean we know you can you the the power of it over you can the blood of jesus can help you to purge that but your mind will always kind of still have it oh yeah it it, it will it will always so right now i want us to let's take a ride down memory lane into your 20s which is basically which will lead us to kind of like where you are today so right so your 20s so basically when that episode of the the cupboards and the drawers and that was uh 20 years old roughly and not long after that i ended up moving back to vancouver to upgrade my electrical degree and um so i i was rooming with some friends i was going to school you know doing my my thing partying in between and just living life and um you know i had very brother brotherly uh, friendships yes very close with my friends we were all drawn to each other for our love for music like like trance and house and psytrance music we all were very very um connected through that style of music it was very spiritual for us in a way um transcendent and it just bound us together music um and the parties that were involved were like raves and it involved a lot of drugs uh, unfortunately the music does come with a scene um 
And, you know, it's funny, I, I was very interested in this music before I was taking drugs, like very young, a young boy, like I loved dance music. And I still do. Um, but that's what bound us together. That's what really, that was like the glue. And we all loved to party and have a good time. And it was all, life was just one big party. We loved each other though. We really did. And there was a lot of us. And um, roughly how many? Well, the extended group probably would have been like 20, but the solid group probably 10. We were like solid 10 friends. How many boys? How many girls? 10 boys. 10 boys. Yeah. But we had so many networks that we would tap into, right? Um, yeah. So my life was very much filled with cocaine, ecstasy, weed, alcohol, cigarettes, party music, late nights, um, and good times. It, it was good times then. How often? Often. Mm, the cocaine uh, um, picked up more in my mid-20s. But like ecstasy, man, we were, we were taking that all often. We were snorting it often. Um, we were smoking weed every day. Yeah. So, yeah, life was a party. You know, chasing girls. Life was, a, life was just an extended party. And the we, whole the whole essence of it at that time was just it's good times, man. Let's get time. get together with the boys. Let's get the girls. Let's get the music. Let's get the drugs. Let's have a good time. It was all about having a good time, and uh, we did. We had a good time in the flesh. I look back, and we definitely did. Um, so at that point, you know, like before, my life came crashing down. Uh, not long after, so maybe. Around 21 years old, my life plummeted quite quickly. And I was now once again destabilized. And uh, at this point, I was at my lowest. I ended up getting a job at a temp agency. I ended up working, um, just moving furniture into a hotel. And I, I met a guy from Calgary. We became very close friends. And I ended up moving to Calgary for a little bit. I had no option, it seemed, in Vancouver. I needed work. Calgary was booming. Very easy to get electrical work. And uh, this guy I met, who I became friends with, said, just come to Calgary. You know, you will get work and I will help you financially. I will take care of you until you get work. Mm -hmm. So I took the deal and I moved to Calgary for a bit. And I lived in, in downtown Calgary. And... Uh, I worked as an electrician there for about two years, but I became very depressed. I missed Vancouver. My heart was still in Vancouver, but my body was in Calgary. Um, you know, there were some moments there that I enjoyed, but for the most part, no, like I, I really wanted to just go home. And uh, while I was living in Calgary, my, you know, there's a lot, ha there's a lot that's happened with my mom and my brother that I never got into and my other brother and sister, but uh, they ended up uh, with Jordy um, the, the man that she was with, they ended up moving from the Sunshine Coast all the way to Nova Scotia. So from one coast of Canada, the, the West Coast, the West all coast. the way to, to the, the East coast. coast, and they drove there. So 
at that point, my mom had a horse. Like, she drove her horse across the country. They had two trucks with all their furniture. Like, they hauled it. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. My mom drove her horse across the country. Oh, she drove the horse. I thought you said that she actually no. uh, went, like, went, was when they were going across the country, like, she was on, on the horse. Oh, no, no, no. She drove the horse. So, she, yeah, she had a trailer in the back, but they, they like, committed. They, they moved from one coast to the next to start a new life. And um, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so anyways, I ended up moving back from Calgary to Vancouver. Okay. And back to the same old me, you know. I'm still, I'm, I'm partying even harder now. I got, you know, I got friends that are drug dealers. Um, and I got other friends that are associated with drug dealers. So I'm, I am, I am around hard drugs, like ma mainly cocaine and uh, ecstasy and, and pure MDMA or as pure as I thought it was at the time. So I'm around this kind of, I'm around these substances all the time. Like it's everywhere at the parties. It's at, at personal friends, residences in large quantities. So it's, it's just so accessible. Um, that it, it was like second nature. It was just the thing. It was just how life was. Drugs are what we do. And it's how we live. It's a part of our lifestyle. And um, so I ended up having some girlfriends, you know. I was, uh, I was partying a lot. Lots of rage. Lots of, lots of like sleepless nights. Um. And I'm about, at this point, you know, I'm 25, you know, some years go by and it's just, you know, to sum it up, it was just pure, pure party time for a good three, four years since uh, I came back from Calgary. And um, I'm dating this girl who I'm having issues with and we're doing so many drugs together, so much cocaine. And I just can't handle it anymore the i at this point like i i, I knew i kind of needed to cut this down it was destroying me i was the cocaine the cocaine the and the relationship and um i just needed out i needed out of this relationship i needed a fresh start and i ended up uh getting a really good job at a company that does high-end electrical in the city and they get a lot of out-of-town jobs as well, where they they take workers from in the city and they go and do camp work or they go to um, more more rural cities. And um, so I got an opportunity to go out of town with them to a place called Cranbrook and do a hospital and electrical upgrade. It was a crazy gig. I was making out-of-town money, live-out allowance. So it was good. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get away from this relationship. This is my out. And at this time, at this point, um, it, it was the best option. It was a great option, actually. And um, so, yeah, I planned to go. I planned to go to Cranbrook. And uh, I, was, I was planning to end this relationship. And um, so while the weekend that I'm planning to go to Cranbrook, the Monday, or, or the, I believe, yeah, we left, I think, on Monday. We were going to be driving. Um, it's a nine hour drive. Um, that weekend, 
my friends, all my friends, all my close friends, they all went to a place called Harrison Hot Springs to party, um, to camp and to party. And they took all the drugs with them. They, they took the music with them and they partied hard. And I really wanted to go. I wanted to be a part of that weekend so bad. Um, and I was just sitting at home arguing with my with my girlfriend. Is that the reason why you couldn't go? Uh, part of it. Like she was quite controlling in a weird way. But at the same time, I was planning to, to leave at the same time. Like I wanted to leave. So it was a bit of both. And I was trying to be responsible and make sure I'm like, you know, ready to go for this out of town job. And I'm not going to miss my ride where I'll see opportunities toast. So anyways, um, they partied up there, my friends, for three days straight with no sleep. Like we're talking straight, straight drug use for three days, no rest. My goodness. And then they decided to come home. And um, they sober up a bit. And one of my best friends is driving. And my other best friend's in the car. And the, my best friend who's in the pet, like I have, like they're all kind of like my best friends. But the one who was in the passenger seat, he and I had a very special bond. He was like a very special person to me and to all of us. He, he decided to take acid and go for the ride home. Um, he kept going and he, uh, he died that day. He ended up, Get, they, my bet, my other good friend, best friend, whatever. He he ended up falling asleep on the road. He he had no sleep for three days, and even though he sobered up, he he just did not have the energy to stay awake on the road. And he swerved on onto oncoming traffic, and he woke up right before colliding with the car head on. Swerved out of the way, but the car got clipped, and this the car spun and pinned uh, my buddy up against a tree. And it crushed his organs. And he ended up getting airlifted to the hospital. And he died about four hours later. And that very morning, I broke up with my girlfriend. You know, I, later on in the evening, I get a phone call. My best friend just died in a car accident. I'm just crushed. And then the next day, I'm literally leaving for out-of-town work. So I'm, I almost had like this triple threat. And... uh it just hit me pretty hard, and and I remember driving to Cranbrook, and I remember telling my boss, I just said, listen, like my best friend just died. So if I seem a little out of it, if I seem distant, it's because of that. And he understood. He was, he was a nice guy. He understood. Um, and uh, so we get to Cranbrook, and I... I work for a little while. I get kind of nestled in, try to cope and deal with everything. I'm at that point. I'm like very connected with all my friends. I'm like always on the phone, communicating with them. Just we're talking. We're like we're trying to be brothers and and you know pull ourselves together through all this. And then I um, I get uh, a notification that the funeral is happening. Um, so I asked my boss. I said, "Listen, like I want to fly back for the funeral and stay for about three four days." And uh, he said, yeah, totally, no problem. We totally understand. And my dad was kind enough to pay for that ticket for me. He, he blessed me, paid for my flight home and back. And so I flew back and we had the funeral. And um, that funeral, when we did not respect the dead 
we 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 ended up partying probably as hard as we ever had we we were even geary like partying after the ceremony at the place where we had the funeral it it was like a it was a time to get wasted that's how we all thought that's how we all looked at it and uh, i remember going from the funeral to his ex-girlfriend's house she had like this big house in 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 west fan and we just started bumping music and doing drugs and drinking and smoking and just being outrageous and uh that night was just ridiculous like we yeah we went really hard and i ended up blacking out and we ended up i i, I came to consciousness at an apartment downtown uh where the main core of the friends were there the main group was there and and yeah it was just rough like we 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 did drugs it was almost like we were trying to forget that he died. It was, uh, do you think, you know, some of it was like, uh, retaliation? Um, in a sense of like, in a sense of like an angry retaliation It's like, Oh, we, we still going to do this. This like, yeah, I mean, we, I don't even know. Um, we were not, it was like, it was strange. We weren't really affected like how I thought we would be by his death. Sounds like it. We were, we loved him so much, yet we were um, almost at peace in a weird way with it but still really sad um and i think you know i was explaining to you a little while ago like the way i would i viewed reality at that time the way i viewed the afterlife at that time was like a bit of a new age way of looking at things where i believed that when i died we would all end up in this absorbed form of love and light and peace and joy and everyone that I knew and loved would be a part of that unity somehow and I would be able to feel them and connect with them and experience them and communicate with them and it, everything would just be okay and that's kind of how it felt and it, it's almost like that's kind of how it felt for all of us it was this weird new age. We weren't new age, but we were new age at the same time. Like we, we didn't take like new age to the level that certain people do. And, and, uh, but we, we had that like universal consciousness kind of mentality. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how we thought about it. So we, when we thought about our friend, it, it was like, kind of like that. It was in that framework. We missed him and we wanted him to be with us but we just honestly that's kind of how we felt about it i think and yeah i mean i i think very differently now obviously but um yeah so that's how my conscience was and um you know even though we probably would have said i'm not afraid to die we all probably all were afraid to die i mean who isn't and um 
you know, I, uh, the drug use didn't stop after that. We kept going, you know, for, for, throughout the years. I was 25 when, when he died. He was 23. And he was only going 30 kilometers an hour. So it didn't take much to kill him. He was only going 30 kilometers an hour. They were only hour. going about 30K an hour, yeah. That's all it took. It doesn't take much. Um, 30 kilometers an hour is, is yeah. like, like not fast. No, it's not. It's not. Like you could, you should be able to stop in an instant at 30 kilometers an hour. But yeah, he got pinned up. He got crushed against a tree in a very awkward way. And that's all it took. He, he didn't die right away, but yeah. So life is fragile. Um, so we all stayed pretty tight with each other after that happened. And we kept partying, we kept doing our thing. Some of our friends got deeper into drugs, deeper into drug dealing, started dealing harder things, becoming more defiled. Our consciences were being seared day by day. Did, what was the dynamics of the group? The dynamics of the group was the same. We wanted to party. We loved each other. We wanted to spend as much time with each other as possible. We wanted to sleep with as many girls as possible too. Like we wanted like, we wanted just to have like that heathenistic experience where like just sex and drugs and music dominated our lives in paradise. Hmm. That's what we wanted. And um, some of, you know, some of our friends had more money than others and they were kind of getting that lifestyle more than some. And um, yeah, so there was a lot of late nights. Some of the nights were some, we were like awake more at night sometimes than in the day. And, um, and it's on some occasions. And yeah, so it, it, I, there was a point where my conscience was so was becoming very very seared, and uh, things that I knew were incredibly evil. And like, I was I was um, brushing under the rug, um, to have a good time. And um, you know, I started dating this girl, and I was lying to her. I was buying drugs off of her brother, and I. You know, I cheated on her. I actually ended up telling her the truth about me cheating on her when there's no way she would have found out. But I, I just felt so guilty. I had to tell her and it created a, a very horrible dynamic in the relationship. She tried to forgive me. And that whole relationship was just me sneaking drugs behind her back and, and trying to love someone I didn't love and lusting for her friends. And I just I was just so filled with lust for women. Like it, it was my entire existence. I was exposed to pornography at five years old, like hardcore porn, not even by a person. I just walked into a room and it was like a collage all over the walls and ceilings. And and so I was exposed to porn at a very young age mm. and it corrupted me from a very young age. I, I, I knew very, very quickly. At, I was I was actually five years old when I was exposed to porn. Like I walked into a, a bathroom at a uh, mechanic the, the mechanic told me to go to that bathroom when I asked him to, to use the washroom and, and he pointed to that washroom well knowing very well what was in there and I walked in and it was like every every wall every inch square inch of the wall was hardcore 
porn cut out. And I, I knew right then and there when I walked into that washroom that this is something that I wanted to do. That this is like, I'm stra- I knew I was, I, I was not a homosexual. I knew I was straight. And I knew this is what I want to do. This is what I want in my life. At five years At old? At five years old, I knew. I knew instantly I want this. When I grow up, I want that. Right? So I was sexualized at a very, very young age. So it dominated my life. Which is why drugs came so naturally. Because drugs enhanced the flesh through sexual pleasure. So my whole pursuit essentially was sex and drugs from five years old. They started at five. Like my, my pursuit for sex started at five. Man, you, you were you, you were the typical, not typical, but the, you know, when, when people say, rock and roll like if i had money i would have been if i had more money it would have been like that yeah it would have been like it would have been like that like 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 deaf leopard deaf leopard kind of like life like yeah um thank god i didn't have money sex drugs and rock and roll yeah Yeah, sex drugs and rock and roll and yeah so um yeah, so at that time, I'm dating this girl. I'm lying to her, and, and the relationship is falling apart. I'm falling apart, and uh, she ends up leaving me. Uh, I get exposed. You know, uh, she finds out I'm buying drugs off of her brother, and it destroys her. And eventually, she just leaves me, and um, I become depressed. And I start at that point, like while we were breaking up we lived together. I, I started to like change in a way. I, I started to uh, take control over some areas of my life. Number one diet. I went vegan. Um, uh, and I started hitting the gym a lot. I, and I kind of hit the gym throughout my twenties, but drugs and partying kind of always, uh, overtook the gym. And I was never able to like hit that, that, uh, peak that I wanted to hit that, that body that I would always desire to have mainly to sleep with women. Once again, like the only one of the main reasons why I wanted a nice body was so I could have nicer girls. Um, so I started hitting the gym again. I started changing my diet um, the, during the transition of this breakup and yeah. my body started to change. I started to become very healthy, very fit. I lost 30 pounds. Um, and uh, I, I started to take control over those areas of my life. And I, I knew deep down that cocaine was destroying my life. I knew it was annihilating me. And um, I think subconsciously, I I was trying or not even subconsciously, probably consciously, I was I was trying to supplement my partying with something else. I was trying to um, replace it with gym and diet and health. But for this for the same result, though, to, to be with women. To be with women. Right? And um, so it started to work. Like I started to have more willpower to say no to cocaine and no to alcohol from time to time. Yeah. And it was working to a degree. And um, but still quite partying quite a bit but i was really consciously i'm like man i I gotta stop doing this like i want to get my life together and i i know it was just destroying me and um so at that point i am coming up up to 28 years old 
Yeah. And I, I had a night or a day, I should say on a boat with one of my friends. And I did so much cocaine that, that, that day. And at the end of that day, I just, I just said, man, this is messed up. I, I remember that so vividly just not getting any pleasure out of it at the end of the day. And I think that was a bit of a turning point for me. Um, but actually, I think I'm getting my timeline wrong. That actually happened after something more important that I have to mention. Um, so before that day on the boat, I actually... There was a night, the night of the, the anniversary, the death, the, the, the death anniversary of my friend. Yeah. I think, so I'm 28 or, yeah, it's four years after, after he died, three or four years. And it's that anniversary. And that night I normally would have, because we were all the boys got together, right? Yeah. That would have been a night where I would have done uh, cocaine, a lot of it, but I didn't somehow and so, like by the grace of god i chose not to i drank i got a little drunk i chose not to do it this was episode five of noel's testimony and life story in the next episode noel will tell us how choosing not to do cocaine on the three-year death anniversary of his best friend at the time laid to an interesting encounter the following morning that prompted his exit from his broken rod. An encounter with a God sent someone that aroused his curiosity to find true peace. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Straight